NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darian Woods, here with Juliana Kim. Welcome. Hi, Darian. You're a reporter on NPR's desk, News Hub. And today you have for us a story on rhino horns. Right. So you've probably heard of lab-grown diamonds, lab-grown meat, maybe even lab-grown milk. But have you ever heard of lab-grown rhino horns? I had not until you pitched this story. You know, I guess the background here is that hundreds of rhinos are killed every year by poachers who want to traffic their horns. We've seen in little over a century their population going from half a million to fewer than 30,000. Grim stuff. Exactly. I know in business, the million-dollar question tends to be, how do we get people to buy stuff? But in wildlife conservation, the challenge actually is, how do we get people to not want to buy stuff? Like fur coats, ivory, and rhino horns. Conservationists have been working hard for decades to bring demand for rhino horns down through things like bans and, I guess, stigmatization. But a few years ago, a handful of startups popped up saying that demand doesn't have to be a bad thing. If there was this synthetic alternative to meet that demand for rhino horns, fewer animals would be poached. At least, that's the argument. On the surface, it sounds like a good idea, but it actually infuriated a lot of wildlife groups. They argued these substitutes were going to harm, not help, rhinos. So today on the show, can copycats decrease demand for the real thing? We'll look at a biotech company that says yes, and we'll explain the pushback that followed. That's after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. Discover Babson College's Master of Science and Management in Entrepreneurial Leadership Program, an intensive nine-month journey that equips recent college graduates with practical skills for today's dynamic business landscape. Tackle real-world challenges and emerge with a problem-solving mindset. Whether you choose to start your own business or innovate within a corporation, a master's from Babson will help launch your career forward. Apply today at babson.edu slash msleader. This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 threat report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. This spring, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Go to mintmobile.com indicator. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. The top markets for real rhino horn are in China and Vietnam. Some buyers use the horns as sculpting material to make art, jewelry, or decor. Others grind up the horn and consume it, believing that it can cure cancers or hangovers. Caviarenta, buyer beware here. Yeah, that's not true. Right. But either way, it's illegal to sell rhino horns internationally. So all of this is happening in the black market. And it's kind of a hot commodity. Horns of certain rhino subspecies have been considered more valuable than gold or cocaine. Matthew Marcus is the CEO of a biotech firm, Pembient, that was hoping to disrupt those markets with rhino horn made in a lab. We wanted our horn not to be its own separate market. We wanted our horn to invade the illicit market and collapse it. 
Matthew's company emerged in 2015 around the same time as other lab-grown products were taking off. He was inspired by how computers disrupted the music industry. I mean, think about how much you pay for music today versus 30 years ago. He wanted to use technology as a force for good, specifically with rhinos. Because this question of how to stop rhinos from getting hunted for their horns has been around for a long time. While there's been some progress, rhinos are still highly vulnerable. I thought, well, that would be a neat idea to to somehow have this technology to replicate rhino horn and then provide it to people so that they could use it and continue their cultural traditions without necessarily killing or harming rhinos. People who are optimistic about lab-grown horns bring up a specific economic concept. When a prospective buyer is confused about the quality of a product, it can actually discourage them from buying it at all. And this is called adverse selection. Adverse selection. Uh, I think we need an example here. The best way that I can explain it is through my journey with Korean skincare. Okay, that's not where I thought we were going, but uh, do tell. I know, Darian, but bear with me. (laughs) So I'm a big fan of Korean skincare. Hey, I've heard it's the best. (laughs) I usually buy it online. The other day, I wanted to check out this new brand, but while reading the reviews, I noticed that some customers said the product wasn't legit, while others said it was. And you know what? I couldn't figure out what to believe. So I kind of just closed my browser and gave up. That's exactly what I'm talking about in terms of creating confusion in the market for rhino horns uh, using synthetic horns. That's Fred Chen, an economics professor at Wake Forest University in North Carolina. And Fred says that the confusion caused by synthetic rhino horns could bring the value of the real horns down. And that could be a good thing for the rhinos. Or maybe if I do decide to buy something, because I'm not certain it's, it's the real thing, maybe I don't want to pay as much. And that sounds to me a lot like what happened with another commodity that scientists figured out how to grow in the lab. Diamonds. I mean, look at De Beers, one of the biggest diamond distributors. Last year, the company cut the prices of some of their stones by nearly half, at least in part because of the growing popularity for lab-grown diamonds. Fred says this is one of the ways that lab-grown rhino horns can actually work to stop poaching. And that was Matthew's pitch as well. Initially, he made some headway. He had funding, some lab space, and even some prototypes. Then we started also to have a certain legal challenges too to to what we're doing and people saying maybe we shouldn't be doing this uh, and the hurdles began to multiply. Many conservationists were saying that lab-grown horns will only signal to people that it's okay to buy horns and that would create new purposes and markets for horn and by doing so it'll only drive up demand for real ones. So we started to switch our efforts to making a large 3D growing uh, rhino horns Um, but at that point in time I think we started to realize there were a lot of other problems. And there's precedent for this when it comes to how the legal trade has affected poaching. In 2008, China and Japan were allowed to buy elephant ivory from Africa in this one-off sale. And a study by researchers at Princeton and Berkeley suggests that there was a 66% increase in illegal ivory poaching. Some studies on rhino horn trade reached this conclusion too. Dong Vu Hoinam is a researcher at the University of Iceland. He's interviewed more than a thousand rhino horn buyers. Some of them told me that they have contributed to buying a whole horn at about more than $40,000. $40,000. And Nam says these buyers would actually take their purchases to a local lab to DNA test them to make sure they were getting the real thing. 
oh, like Ancestry.com for rhinos. Yeah, I guess you don't need to get a rhino to spit into a tube, but uh, (laughs) it sounds pretty thorough. Yeah. And then in 2018, Matthew's company was under investigation twice from Washington State, where his company was. And those inquiries were triggered by the wildlife groups the Humane Society of the United States and Humane Society International. They accused Pembian of violating the state's Animal Trafficking Act, essentially because the company was looking into making and selling horns made from rhino cells. Pretty unusual case of trafficking. Right. Neither inquiry resulted in any charges or fines. But Matthew said the ordeal drove away potential investors and collaborators. I reached out to Humane Society International, and they told me over email that the group was simply acting in the best interest of rhinos. Today, Pembiant is inactive. The company is expected to shut down this year. But Matthew hasn't given up on his idea or that biotech can help to solve these persistent conservation issues. I don't think that these should never be done or nor that it will never be done. I think at some point in time, um, reason will prevail and these will come into fruition. It's been years now, and we're not any closer to knowing how copycat horns would do in the market or how they would impact rhinos. Considering all the regulation and pushback around the idea, there's a chance we may never know. This episode of The Indicator was produced by Julia Ritchie with engineering by Sina Lafredo. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Patty Hirsch edited the show, Kate Cannon is the show's editor, and The Indicator is a production of NPR. Listen to Embedded for moments that stay with you. I could smell the smoke. I could smell the dust. Voices that resonate. <laughs> Stories that change the way you think about your life. How, how did we get here? The Embedded Podcast is NPR's home for original documentary series. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com NPR.